Hey, what is up, designers, and welcome back to the Surviving the Cancel podcast. Um, this is like my final thoughts on the series that I've been doing how to properly build a cult like attention around your unpopular opinion in the cancel culture era. Um, and like I said, this is just my final thoughts on the entire matter. Um, you know, what I discovered through my throughout the, you know, the entirety of my journey is that you know, a lot of you know, at, at the very beginning of the journey, you know. Um, it really did start with the purest intentions. It really started with the idea that I want to change people, that I want to make life better for people. And I thought, I think a lot of people start out right there. They start off with idealistic, you know, uh, origins, you know, um, you want to make people's lives better. And um, so for me, what I wanted to do in the very intro was I wanted to push messages out into society that was able to change people um, because I felt like I had so many paradigm shifts in my younger years and so many routes that I used to exit the status quo into smaller and uh, far more functional for society and for people at large, schools of thoughts that could change people forever. And I wanted to take those ideas and get people to understand them. And this was purely altruistic. And there were so many walls in place stopping me from actually pumping my ideas into society and getting them to change people. And so with the onset of this journey, what changes is that when the journey begins and I began to actually physically uh, manifest around me, like, I guess, simply put, you know, drop out and tell people about what I wanted to do, you know, uh, the rising tide of cancel culture uh, from the people around me, strangers in society at large that wants me to fit into the mold of the status quo uh, begins banging at my door. And it put me into such a position where my mind is in a state of hyper survival. And whereas before there was no opposition, I assumed people would accept the beliefs that I had. It put my mind in a state in a, in a, in a mode of competition. It put my mind state in a mode of, of, of a fight back, you know, survive the cancel. Um, it put me in a competitive frame of mind as opposed to a collaborative frame of mind where all I wanted to do was survive. Life began to get tough. Life began to get hard. Um, and so I began to look for ways in order, you know, to, to, to literally just make it. I've been, you know, looking at these ideas from, you know, or the perspective, okay, I'm going to use these ideas to beat people down. I want to use these ideas to show that I'm right. I want to get these ideas to, to reap personal gain for myself and so I you know I started wanting to actually more than anything earn money and become rich and become famous um, if we fast forward before this point I'm making you know um, I assumed in the intro well really in some point between the transition between my beginnings and this competitive mindset uh, I adopted the role of marketer because I assumed that you know marketing was the way that we push ideas out into the world in a way that other people really understood but uh as the journey progressed and uh you know um things began to get more hard and i began to you know go into competitive and and uh you know a competitive and survival and and, and narcissistic uh mindset where all i want to do is make money and make a business to show people that i was right show people that my ideas are right and show them that they're dumb where i want to compete um the true utility of the identity of marketers began to show itself. And uh, I, what I feel like I discovered throughout the journey is that the identity of marketer is the identity that you take on when you want to change the world, but you're performing in the wrong paradigm. You understand what I mean? Because when you really break it down, 
marketing isn't the thing that actually changes people. You understand what I'm saying? Marketing and telling stories is, is in a lot of ways, it's a gimmick. Or it can be used as a gimmick. Marketing, it's no disrespect to marketing. Marketing is very important. But marketing, you know, it, it, it almost has more utility when you when you use it as a gimmick, you know. Um, and so you'll see a lot of people on the internet, they use marketing as a means to sell things that really have no inherent value. What you see in a lot of society, from my perspective, from my observation, is that many people in society... Uh, because they're performing in a self-serving and competitive paradigm. They just want to be rich. They just want their products to get off the shelf. They don't really want to actually put in the effort to change the world or bring something that's really valuable to people. And so they want to convince people that something that's really not valuable, they want to convince them that it's actually valuable. You know, um, and so I feel like marketing is the tool that you assume to change the world when you're coming from a competitive type of paradigm because it's the tool, you know, marketing, what it is, it's essentially orchestrated noise with the the purpose of a sale or promotion okay the 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 forefront message of marketing the 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 greatest utility of marketing is to create a sale is to create money is to create something for yourself but when it comes to change you know the greatest utility is not found within you know that it's it's the greatest utility of something else rather than marketing um and so i feel like you know the affinity i had for marketing really came from the paradigm where I wanted to show everybody that I was the one to make a business and be rich for vanity purposes, where I wanted to, you know, I was trying to find short way, shortcuts to benefit myself instead of finding ways to be valuable to benefit other people. And when the seesaw began to tip and I started to move from, you know, um, a place of competitive to a place of collaboration, to a place of being self-serving, to a place of empathy, you know, it wasn't till I moved up in paradigm that the utility of marketing began to reveal itself in, in, in the fact that it, it's very useful. It's a very good component, but it's not really useful, you know, uh, to the highest degree um, when it comes to change and, and being a true entrepreneur. Um, selling people is great, but selling people is only one part of the equation. And so when I moved up paradigms, you know, I started to look at, you know, the business that I was running and realize, wow, this isn't really helping people and changing people the way that I thought. You know, sure, I'm marketing, marketing and marketing. It's got me to a point in time where I can make sales and make transactions and run a business. But similarly, it's gotten me to the point where I'm running a business that's not really changing people's lives and helping people's. You know, I'm able to sell people on a product, but the initial goal of breaking through that wall and giving people paradigms shifts, uh, giving people you know, uh, you know, new models of seeing the world that can infinitely change their lives, transmitting my beliefs through their walls, a process that hasn't yet happened. Um, I'm essentially just selling people and reaping benefits for myself, but the true value, uh, that can be delivered unto them, it, it has yet to be seen. And so it was through recognizing that the flaws in my business, even though that I was expert marketer, the flaws and opportunity I was presenting, it made me realize that, you know, helping people in, 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 in approaching business from a real empathetic point of view and, and really going to change people and change the world requires a completely separate, you know, set of steps. You know, it's a completely different 
you, you go about it a completely different way. And that's what I began to dive into and, you know, uh, zero to one and things like that and really realize that changing when changing the world and mass movements and having people adopt the ideas that can infinitely change your lives was more about system well technology than anything. You know, to reiterate the last few episodes, uh, people think that marketing is the way that you change people's lives. Um, they think it's the way that you transmit to people and get them to engage in ideas that give them a better standard of living. But, um, you know, if you look at the world, marketing has never been the thing to do that. You know, most ideas that change people infinitely that are adopted on a mass scale aren't adopted because marketers marketed better than other marketers. They're adopted it because, because of better systems, you know, um, to explain this is like the idea of traveling, the idea that, you know, every, every business is essentially an idea. It's, 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 it's a, a system used to perpetuate an idea. Um, and so, you know, uh, take it like this, you know, the, you know, there's an idea in society and there has been throughout all of time, um, that you should, you know, uh, travel the world and, and see new places and set up and explore the cities and, you know, things like that. Um, but that idea alone, if you market it over and over and over again, does that really help people? You know, it may help some people that decide to get up and change the quality of their life. But let's say you started adding real businesses, real pieces of technology. You give them, you give them, let's say, a boat. Now people can have, people have a greater ability and receive greater value in their lives are better changed because they have this a literal means of going about the idea that you marketed. You know, sure, you'll be able to sell a bunch of people and reap personal benefit from marketing people the idea of traveling, but you don't really start helping them and change their lives till you give them the boat. You know, let's say an airplane. You give them an airplane. You know, for you know, e- e- even an even greater difference. You give them far more utility to execute on the idea that you marketed to them. You know, you make the same amount of money either way. Well, you probably make more money for, you know, uh, because, you know, obviously the technology is is better. But you'll make money in all processes. But the only way that people on the other end are actually helped and their lives are changed is when you actually increase the literal utility that they have to do something. Marketing, you know, it, but but I, I do want to emphasize because this is something from I learned from Owen Cook. When you move up paradigms, the lessons from the paradigms that you came from, they aren't erased. It's like the Maslow's hierarchy needs. You know, you go up the pyramid of needs, but the motivations from the lower levels remain. You don't give up old paradigms, you retain them. So, you know, let's say it's the pyramid of needs, you know, uh, the lowest level is physiological needs. When you go to physiological needs up to safety needs, you still have to worry about physiological needs, food, water, shelter. Uh, well, food and water, sunlight, things like that. If you go up a level, you have safety needs. You do all the things that safety needs. You're at a high paradigm, but you still worry about the paradigms below. You still fulfill on those. And so marketing, even though it's a lower paradigm thing, um, really associated with personal gain, personal gain and actually getting your ideas and getting to understood, getting understood, uh, it's, 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 um, it's the thing that's necessary, even though you move to the next paradigm, but I believe the next paradigm is, you know, when you become collaborative, when you become empathetic, you realize that systems are what really matters. Cause as I just demonstrated with the airplane systems is what give people real value. Um, and, uh, why I say technology is important because every business in the world is a system used to perpetuate an idea. It's a system used to propagate an idea. You know, airplanes are the you know are used to propagate the idea that you should travel and see the world a lot. People should travel and see the world and enjoy it. Um, 
and uh, the airplane is the system that's used to actually make people participate in that idea. If that system didn't exist, that idea would have little to no utility. People wouldn't be able to travel and see the world if there weren't airplanes or cars or things like that, right? But still, you'd be able to sell them and market them and teach them how to do these things. They just, they wouldn't be able to do it. It, it would have no utility. They would have no real value for them. I hope I'm explaining this right in this podcast. So, And so, whereas ideas reach mass adoption where people engage in your vision the most and become diehard fans of it it is about technology because whereas a system is what a business is a system used to propagate an idea where systems are replicated throughout the world so if you have an airplane company someone else has an airplane company you have no real advantage when your system is is prevalent when your system is replicable when your system is everywhere in the world and so you aren't adding any more value to the world if you have a simple system because everyone else has the same system. If you make a new car today, it's a system to propagate the idea that people should travel, but cars already exist. Okay, would, would a system that has yet to be created and has significantly more value and utility than, than, than the systems that already exist is created, what they call that is technology. Okay, and so if you have cars, um, yeah, that's a system, but they aren't really, te- they're technology, but they're not really technology. You know, what technology is rather than uh, an airplane is an airplane that can maybe teleport you to the next continent or get to the continent 10 times as fast. Oh, this is the future. It's technology. It's technological. You know, uh, you know, cell phones might be systems, you know, technology at some point. They might be technology now, but, you know, they're just regular old beat up systems when you invent the next thing. And so when you it's only when you invent the next thing that you really give people real value in the world. You understand what I mean? Uh, you know, it, it is a, a level of value when you market and tell stories and boost and inflate the value of a system that already exists. But, um, you know, it, you don't really change the world and give it true value and, and have people mass adopt an idea that you believe in unless they're unless you create technology and you create, you know, the next level of system to begin with, you know, um, and the example that I use in so many other past podcasts is always like Netflix and Blockbuster. Blockbuster had better marketers because they were a billion dollar company by default. Netflix couldn't have that. But when you build a better, you know, but people don't want to leave, you know, people, or you can, you know, Netflix could have just made another Blockbuster, another VHS system and marketed and marketed and marketed all day. But the problems that people face when they use Blockbuster or VHS are still present in this new company because it's literally the same system. And so they don't have an advantage and they can't take over the market because their system is the same. I'm just trying to be brief about this episode, so I'm sorry if I'm brushing over details that might be significant. But it wasn't until they invented streaming, a technology that value, you know, the, the value was really presented to people in a way that they could adopt on a massive level. And obviously Blockbuster is no longer around. Netflix is one of the biggest movie companies, I guess, in the world. Um, Mass adoption of an idea or vision is facilitated by, by through technology, because the only way to give value to people in society is through technology. Um, and I think everybody wants to be a marketer nowadays, uh, but I think marketers like come from self-serving paradigms. Um, everybody wants to be a marketer because everybody wants to, you know, make money. Everybody wants to have a successful business. Everybody wants to be the one. Uh, and so they adopt that idea of, of being a marketer. Everybody wants to hop on the internet and do things that are valueless and, you know, market them, market the idea into value, market the idea into, 
And that's why I think marketers say things like model what works. You know, don't add anything new. Just provide the solutions that people already had at their disposal and just act like it's something different. Don't invent something different. Don't go out of your way because that's too much effort to actually create something that can blow people away and change their lives forever. Just create the same thing that already exists and tell them it could change their lives forever. No one wants to actually work on the value of what it is they're creating. They want to work on the perceived value of what it is, you know, they're, they're creating. And, you know, that might do a lot for you in lining your pockets, which essentially is called a scam. But it, it, it doesn't do anything for the actual end user. And so if you have something like, you know, like me, a ghostwriting company, I can market it like, oh, this is a different type of ghostwriting. These are micro books. These are but at the same thing, say at the end of the day, the customer experience is probably going to be exactly the same as the same exact service. And therefore, you know, the people that are coming into your vision, uh, they will never love it enough to make it a massive thing. I think ideas and unpopular opinions receive mass when their, te- their technology is so good that it it. You know, it's so valuable that it, it that it just blows them away. You know, I think those are the products. And, the, you know, that's how you make an idea massive. You know, first and foremost, in, in society today, if you have an opinion, your opinion, the only way to propagate an opinion in a capitalistic society is to have the opinion generate capital. And so by by default, if you want your unpopular opinion to, you know, to gain cult-like attention and have people love it and have it receive mass adoption, if you want people to engage in your vision, marketing is important. You don't abandon the paradigm because you go to the next. Marketing is very important. You want people to know about, you know, what it is that you're selling, what it is that you have for them. But in order to retain customers, you know, uh, you know, your idea has to be created in a form of, of, of a business. You understand what I'm saying? Because what a business, you know, essentially marketing is how you get your idea out to people. Okay. But marketing obviously costs money. Marketing and efforts cost money and it costs time and things like that. The only way to speed, you know, to, to speed up your propagation of an idea is to actually make a business around it. Because when you promote your idea, you know what I'm saying? Money is the fuel that will help you promote it. And if money is, is in limited supply because your idea is profitable and it isn't profitable, your idea is dead in the water. It's only when you have an idea, you put it in the form of a business, you can reap profits from that idea and then with the profits market it to a great you know, another audience that the idea can begin to, you know, sustain itself and create a new crop of believers. So unpopular opinions have to be implemented in a business. Um and you know that business, that system has to be associated with greater technology in order to have a rate of propagation uh, so violent that people actually adopt it on a, on a great on a grand enough scale. You understand what I'm saying? Um, there's been a lot of technology recently in my life that I've been enjoying a lot. One is this Halo. It's a Halo Boat ACDC wireless. Uh, you can get it at besthalo.com. I just read the bottom of it. I got this pink Halo in the car, in my girlfriend's car. And what it does is, this is thing it's came in handy. It can jump your car, right? It has a flashlight here on the end. I've used this to film a lot of Summit sessions. Um, you can jump your car with it. It literally takes like three seconds. Um, you know, it's small. It's portable. I'm holding it right here in my hand, throwing it around. Um, it comes with little mini jumper cables. Uh, you can charge your phone with it. Uh, you can actually plug. I've used this to um, plug in my laptop when I'm doing her doing webinars because you can. It's like a little wire, wall plug in the side of it. Um, and what I recently discovered is that at the top of this halo, 
you know, I can literally just place my phone on top of it and it has wireless charging, which I didn't know until I really just tried that. And this is a piece of technology that I'm proud to talk about, that I'm proud to recommend and share with my friends because it honestly, it blows my mind. You know, uh, I think Brian Chesky said it best. He said, um, you know, the best thing, let's, let's look at that quote by Brian Chesky, because I, this is a quote that I think everybody should hear. I'm just searching up this Brian Chesky quote. Brian Chesky is is the uh, is the uh, creator of Airbnb. He said, "Build something that a hundred people love, not one thousand, one million, not something that one thousand people, one one million people like." Okay, and that's from the founder of Airbnb. And I think having something that's so advanced that people have an infinite affinity for the value that it brings to their life. Uh, it's how you get those hundred people and how you begin to spread your idea, you know, quickly through word of mouth. And um, so essentially just to simplify this all into a nutshell, um, it's like it's like like a lot of billionaires donate. I, I heard in re- me- recent media, a lot of billionaires donate uh, their net worth. OK, uh, some of the billionaires actually like uh, J.K. Rowling actually lose billionaire status from how much they've donated. But here's the thing. If you lose billionaire status from donating and you keep losing money from donating, what do you lose in the process? You lose the ability to donate because you don't have any money. So donating donating should should be a profitable process. Because if you lose all your money donating, how can you be generous if you have nothing to give? You understand what I'm saying? But if you make money when you donate, then you can forever donate because you've made money on it and and ideas are like the same you know if you have an idea um how do you get it out to the world you'll spend money or time that's how you market ideas you'll spend either money or time um but if you run out of money you know uh because you're spending money but your idea is not a business it's not a system that's profitable um your idea will be dead in the water you'll tell a bunch of people you spend all your money you'll go broke and your idea it'll die right there because you won't have money uh, to actually promote it, you might have time and these other things, but um, it takes a long time to, you know, money is faster than time, like Stephen Larson says. So you can promote things very quickly with money. When you use your time, it takes a long time. I'm doing it with my time right now, so I know, you know, and it won't, you know, within your lifetime, you won't see that idea blossom. And so you don't want to run out of money and have and, and lose the ability, therefore, to promote your idea. So your idea has to be embedded in a system that's profitable because you tell a bunch of people about it and they pay you for the idea and they pay. They fund your next round of customers or your next round of believers. You take that money, you tell them about it and they pay for it. And suddenly you're growing a base of people who believe in your idea that funds the next base of people who believe in your idea that funds the next base instead of funding a base of people who believe in your idea and they don't fund you to push it even further your idea has to be embedded in a business and the greater you know the more technologically advanced you know uh the the components of that idea is like the idea that we should have a green and clean environment uh the most technologically advanced manifestation of that idea is like tesla electric vehicles okay now they have a lot of money to continue to promote that idea because it's it's a business um more the more technologically advanced the components of that idea is the better because you know it'll only make the funding of that idea from the people you promote it to that much greater and that much stronger and that much more contagious as they'll love it enough to promote it on their own um so yeah, 
Uh, that's you know that's 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 my entire theory on the thing, and I think in order to come to a place where you see, you know, uh, that there is greater value beyond the beyond the way you talk and explain and hype up an idea, uh, I think it requires a paradigm shift for people, and um, to come to a place where you see and understand and want more for the world than 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 yourself, you know. Um, because in order to create technology in the first place, technology is just greater detail to a system. Advancement in a system is very subjective. Advancement is about, oh, do people think this helps them a lot better than the prior version? And in order to understand the details that people will consider most helpful, guess what you need? You need a lot of trial and error, one, but trial and error paired with empathy. Okay, you have to be able to empathize and read what it is that society is feeling. So technology comes from a greater degree of empathy in the first place. How else could you know the ways in which you want to develop, better develop a system that already exists unless you're getting feedback and understanding the value of feedback from the systems that are already existing? So, um, or you can just try to persuade people to buy into a system. Like try to convince them and try to flip them and and things like that, which is, you know, marketing in a nutshell. But I'm not going to beat a dead horse. That's really all I have to say for this episode. That's my final thoughts on this. That's my conclusion. If you want to learn more about this, I have ads running on this podcast. So go listen to, you know, go sign up for the summit. You have 24 hours to sign up for the summit when it actually goes live. Uh, appreciate you for listening. This is Dallas from Surviving to Cancel. And I do want to say, man, let me, let, me, let me say this before I go. That's the difference between a marketer you know, because marketer is, a, is just a, it's just a, it's a role that you play. I think the marketer is the role that you play on a journey when you want things for yourself. You know, uh, Russell Brunson has, he even posted about this today. There's a, there's a, there's a place that you hit in your journey where you can't grow anymore from just trying to grow on your own. There's a point in your journey where you grow more from actually contributing to society and having empathy and caring about people more than you do for yourself. There's a point where the scale tips from competitive behavior to collaborative behavior and you want to do good for the world more than you want to do good for you because you're satiated in your own right. And I think the role of marketer is the role that you adopt when you're on the other side of the scale. But when the scales begins to tip uh, on the side of the scale, it's competitive. But when the scale begins to tip to empathy and collaborative, I think, you know, design uh, and, and being a designer is something that begins to take hold. You know, a designer of the status quo, a designer is a deserter of the status quo. You know, they leave the status quo um, in order to search for better solutions to bring back to the status quo and pull them into their new school of thought. Um, and to pull people into a new school of thought, you know, it requires more than marketing. It requires the next level. It requires empathizing and creating new paths, new trails, aka technology, to get there in the first place. Um, and that's what designer and being in design is all about. Um, so that's why I say, hey, designers, when I'm entering this podcast, um, I'm sure there are other names for it. I probably could call it something simpler, but, you know, that's just what I've been talking about since day one. But without further ado, man, if you enjoy this podcast, rate, review this podcast and subscribe. I want you to listen along. I want you know I want to hear y'all hear all y'all talking and be friends and things like that. This is Dallas and this is, uh, the Surviving Cancel Podcast. Peace out.